Hello, and welcome to Mental Health Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Lang, and I'm here with Dr. Mark Burton. In this podcast, we will talk about all things mental health. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey everyone, Liz Lang here, and this week we have a special guest with us. Her name is Louisa Zetnig, and we're going to talk about something called body-focused repetitive behaviors, commonly known as BFRBs, which is something I hadn't heard about before, and so I'm excited to talk about this because it's something that I have gone through myself and actually continue to struggle with. So I think this is going to be a really good episode. So, Louisa, why don't you tell me about your background with BFRBs? So my name is Louisa. I'm a founder at Nutch. I have personally suffered from mild uh, BFRB, so I've struggled with uh, skin picking. So I like to do that when I'm stressed. I pick particular spots and places in my face. Mm-hmm. So I have a personal relationship and a long relationship with skin picking, uh-huh. um, albeit not a very severe condition. So there's a lot of people who suffer a lot worse from BFRBs. So I have a sort of a personal history and also a healthcare background in general. So I work as a hospital manager. So I've been in that industry for a very long time. And I've been sort of seeing the development of smart devices being integrated into care. So I've had a personal interest in seeing how technology can help with care and solving health problems. Okay, yeah. And we'll get into nudge and what that is a little bit later. So let's start by defining what exactly are body focused repetitive behaviors. So you mentioned skin pulling, which I believe you call it dermatillomania. Yes, so skin picking is called dermatillomania, so derma being the being skin. And hair pulling is also known as trichotillomania. Mm-hmm. And there's also, yeah, acne or spot picking, nail biting, and thumb sucking are sort of other BFRBs. Okay. Interesting. I didn't realize that thumb sucking would be in that category, which I know is probably most common, if not exclusive, to children and maybe young teens. Have you seen it go beyond that age? Of course, uh, everything is out there. <laughs> right, right. So, yes, I think, uh, of course, it's more common with uh, younger kids who just continue as they grow old, who don't sort of naturally grow out of it, who continue to suck their thumbs. But uh, that's the definitely the more common way of uh, thumb sucking. Hmm, interesting. So I sucked my thumb until I was like eight years old, which is quite a long time. And my parents tried everything to break the habit. And a lot of people got involved and they tried everything from putting hot sauce on my thumb to to bug spray, anything to try to make it taste bad. But I, I just kept doing it. And it wasn't just a nighttime thing either. I would do it all throughout the day, anytime. And I don't know if it was just an anxiety thing for me or if it was just a comfort thing or what it was. But how I eventually got past it was my second grade teacher actually helped me get past it. And so what she would do is she would randomly have a bell go off in the classroom and no one but me knew what it was. And if I wasn't sucking my thumb, when the bell went off, I got a sticker. 
and I used this sticker chart. And once I filled it up, I got to pick a special prize. And I don't even remember what the prize was, but it worked really, really well to help me finally break that habit that I still had in the second grade. Wow, that's amazing. That's a really good example of behavior therapy. So rewarding positive behavior and reinforcing positive behavior. That's really, you had a psychologist as a teacher. That's amazing. She really was just an awesome teacher. And I still remember her name to this day because she was one of those teachers that went above and beyond for her students. You could tell she loved her profession and she really cared about what she did. So we have talked about the different types of BFRBs. So let's get into nudge a little bit. So tell me what nudge is, how it got started. Yeah, so we came up with the idea in February 2020, sort of early last year. And we were looking at different use cases that type of technology could have. And then we just started doing our research quickly and really had a got a team together and uh, developed this product and really tried to get it into the hands of users quite quickly to because we had sort of this idea that it would be really good and could really help uh, people with these conditions but it was really important for us to to sort of get it we had no idea if it was something that would you know would, would actually help solve the problems so we had the first prototype in our hands uh, by about summer and it was uh, really important for us to get it into the hands of customers, see how it helped, if it was helpful at all, what kind of features they liked. So it was really important for us to to get this uh, quick feedback and be able to incorporate that into the sort of refinement. And then we launched our device by end of the year last year. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what exactly does Nudge do and how does it help with BFRBs? Yeah, so Nudge is a smart wristband and it vibrates when you're raising your hand to your face. So it gives you that immediate feedback. The vibration alert sort of reminds you that you're touching your face and that helps with changing your behavior. So it makes you more aware that you're actually touching your face and gives you that nudge, that soft reminder that you're about to do it. And that helps with learning to change your behavior and sort of get rid of or reduce the skin picking and hair pulling. Interesting. Okay. So I'm thinking about that from the perspective of someone who, like yourself, wears glasses. And I wear glasses myself as well. So, I mean, does it go off even if you just adjust your glasses or do you have to have prolonged contact with your face? So it would actually uh, go set off with that movement as well. Mm-hmm. But that's surprisingly hasn't really bothered people because you kind of know when you're, it's not bad behavior or you know when it's just your glasses. We weren't sure if if the vibration would sort of, if there were too many false positives and that would annoy, start annoying people or sort of the effect would wear off. But because, you know, so many people actually want to change their behavior, you you kind of have a quite high acceptance of of false positives because it does actually help when you aren't aware and sort of snaps you out when you're when you're about to unconsciously tap um touch your face. Mhm. Yeah, which I mean sounds kind of perfect the year that it came out given that in 2020 there's this big push of stop touching your face. Yeah. <laughs> with, with the pandemic. So I mean I I find that incredible and I'm sure maybe doctors would have wanted it just to remind themselves in general, 
to stop touching your face because that was something that a lot of people struggled with with the pandemic. And it's just this subconscious thing, even if you're not doing it to in a neg- necessarily negative way. But I mean, stop touching your face. And that was a big push with with the CDC this year. So with BFRBs and with Nudge, I am thinking of my experience. And this is an ongoing battle. And I can't even remember when it started. And I would say it's definitely gotten worse over the last, oh, probably, probably around the time my daughter was born, my first daughter, and I had postpartum depression. And that was anxiety and depression were kind of coupled into one. And so I started this habit when I was really young of picking at my toenails, which I know is gross. And it's something I've always been kind of self-conscious about and I've never opened up about it a whole lot. But I would love to get your opinion on it. And is because I looked into nudge and I'm like, well, I don't know that that would work because I'm not touching my face while I'm doing this. So mm-hmm. the ends of my toenails, rather than grabbing nail clippers, I would just pick them off. I know that chemically in my brain it's giving me that release of endorphins, you know, that kind of that kind of high. And in a way that it feels good, but I take it to an extreme where I will pick them down to stubs or even give myself ingrown toenails or, you know, cause injuries to myself bleeding or whatnot and taking it to an extreme. And it's a habit I've tried over the years to break and I've never been able to successfully do it. So I'm just curious what your thoughts would be if you have any tips or tricks, because I'm sure there's other people who have body focus, repetitive behaviors that aren't to your face. I mean, they probably have them in various parts of their body. So what would be your tips and tricks for dealing with these behaviors that nudge wouldn't help? Yeah, so first of all, what you mentioned is really important. See that BFRBs are often associated with depression or anxiety. So if you're stressed, you tend to pick your skin more or pull your hair or do sort of the um, compensate with these kind of um, be- soothing behaviors. So that's exactly the mechanism. It's People fall back into that and the very soothing. Yeah, it's soothing to pick your, at your skin at the moment, but then you deeply regret it afterwards. Mm-hmm. So I think there are a lot of general tips out there. You know, things like getting enough sleep, being rested, sort of what helps you be less anxious also helps with with BFRB. So there's a general sort of mental health, you know, having your sort of early signs when you're feeling, okay, I'm I'm feeling stressed, I'm not getting enough sleep. And then kind of the skin picking or nail biting might get worse because you're not in a good state generally. So there's sort of the general awareness of your own mental health, also recognizing early signs if you're sort of creeping up on you, being aware of your sign, the early detection. And then, of course, it's also helpful if you have people around you who can help you, you know, remind you, okay, or encourage you when when they see a positive um, progression. So, yeah, there's, there's lots of ways, but it really depends what kind of works for you. Okay. Yeah. And with Nudge, yeah, Nudge works wristband detects a sort of hand movement to the face we haven't yet got it to a stage that you can sort of configure it to your individual bfrb so sort of just you know the hand to to your feet movement doesn't work yet but that would be sort of 
of further product development that we're looking into that you can sort of customize it to your own personal BFRB. Yeah, that sounds really great. And what you said about being aware ties into something that Dr. Burton and I talk a lot about on our show, and we call it the big three in mental health. So getting adequate sleep, uh, we actually include good aerobic exercise because it just, it helps release those endorphins. And then the third one is, is good meditative practice. And so we find that those coupled with any other, I guess you call treatments that you're doing to manage your anxiety and depression are, are really helpful. So with BFRBs, what would you say is the percentage of people who suffer from this? It's actually massive. So before we started with Nudge, I I didn't know much about it. As you mentioned earlier as well, it's something that people are afraid to talk about. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's weird picking at your toenails or sort of it, or, you know, so, so it's something that is quite taboo and stigmatized. So there's, it's not talked about a lot. We've also found with some of our customers that they have never with Nudge, that was also the first time that they had access to a community. So before that, they sort of thought, okay, I'm weird and I'm alone and it's only me. Mm -hmm. So because it's not talked about at all or very little, then, you know, there's not a lot of awareness about about BFRBs. So that's also been really important for us to sort of create a community, give access to information, connect people and um, sort of just, yeah, building a a platform that's been part of our mission as well to create, uh, increase awareness. Which is interesting because another thing that Dr. Burton and I talk a lot about is the importance of group work and how powerful group work can be and also how hard it can be to find a group that kind of fits your niche of mental health. And so BFRB awareness sounds perfect for people like me who probably think that they're alone or at least very rare in their behavior. And I would like to bring up that today is actually the last day of BFRB Awareness Week. So Body Focus Repetitive Behavior Awareness Week is October 1st through the 7th. So this is the last day. And what I'm going to go ahead and do is in our show notes, I will post a link to nudge so people can check that out and maybe decide if some of the products are good for them. Another thing I would like to do, I would like to get from you is where are some good community resources or where can you find access to maybe some of these support groups? Would those be listed in nudge or would they be listed in the link that I have here for BFRB awareness week? So, yeah, you can visit our website and also our Instagram account. And we have a lot of links up there and posted sort of community and resources on there. We also have a regular Follow Friday post. So we always recommend Instagram links in our regular Follow Friday. We do uh, recommend resources. And and you can visit our website, thenudgeband.com, and uh, also find a lot of helpful information on there. Okay. So what is your Instagram name or your Facebook page so that I can, so we can tell people. And so I, I'll get a link posted in my show notes so that people can find access. On Instagram, we're at the nudge band. Okay. All right. So the, just at the nudge band. 
Okay. All right. I will have that Instagram link posted in our show notes so people can find that. So would you say that this is more commonly known now in the UK? Has this helped bring more awareness to it in the UK? Do you think it's prevalent enough in the United States? Do you think we need to do more work in bringing awareness to it in the United States? I think it's still such a small topic. I think generally, you know, we we have had a, a good reach, but in general, I think there's still so much to be done. It's hard to say whether the UK or US is already more um, mm-hmm. had done more progress in that respect. But I think that in general, the I mean, our we've been because we are a UK-based company, or we started off that was our first target market. Um, we started in the UK. Of course, we have done most of our awareness. A lot of our work has been UK-based so far. <laughs> okay, yeah. And hopefully with this podcast, we can bring some additional awareness to this because one of the things that you mentioned is people often feel shame later. It gives them that satisfaction in the moment because it's relieving their symptoms of the anxiety and depression probably mostly anxiety. I would imagine that it's more of an anxious behavior rather than a depressive behavior, but it relieves those symptoms, but ultimately it ends in shame. And usually when people feel shame, they don't like to talk about it. They kind of tend to want to to shy away from it. But if you shine a big old spotlight on that thing you're ashamed about, it often takes away the shame. And not that everyone should do that. I'm not saying that you know, everyone needs to just stand up and say, I have this and I'm not ashamed of it. That may not be helpful for some people. But if it is something that you feel comfortable doing, I think it can be incredibly helpful. I will probably follow up in the next couple weeks to maybe a few months of if it helped me because it's not something I've ever talked openly about. In fact, I think the only person I've ever really talk to about it is my husband and it's because well we live together and he notices it and he calls me out when he sees it but I just tend to do it when he's not around (laughs) you know I, I I find a way around it so I think having the awareness and casting light onto it and helping people to feel more comfortable because there was a time not too long ago that there was this much bigger stigma around anxiety and depression in general. And that's becoming more and more common in people being more open to talk about it, which is a really great thing. And I think especially with service members of the military who suffer from often severe PTSD, that was one thing that we talked about a few weeks ago, Dr. Burton and I. In fact, I think that was our topic. Yeah, two weeks ago, we talked about veterans and PTSD and the high suicidality among veterans. And so that's what our podcast is all about, is all about ending the stigma around mental health, hence the title Mental Health Matters, because it really does. And it's something that people need to be more aware of. So BFRBs, would you say that there is a certain age in which they tend to start? 
Yeah, most commonly it sort of starts in the early teens and can continue through to to adulthood. So that's kind of the most common sort of age Yeah, we see it happening in. And you asked me earlier what the numbers were. I mean, its estimates are that it affects one in 20 people, so 5% of the population. So it's actually huge. And But considering this number, you know, it's not talked about at all. Right. Yeah. And I mean, one in 20, because when you phrase it like that, it sounds like a much bigger deal. I mean, 5% doesn't sound very big, but one in 20, that's actually quite a large number of people. And do you think it affects maybe males more than females? It's more females than males. So it's really interesting reading the studies about uh, BFRB. So when kids at a younger age, that sort of the spread between male, female is similar, but as age, as you age, it tends to be more women. So I think it's maybe, you know, it's probably associated more with feeling anxious or self-conscious. And Mm -hmm. that tends to be more of a uh, female, females um, being affected by BFRBs. Okay. Interesting. But there are, of course, also the men out there. There's also some interest, some great BFRB sufferers who have a really good social media presence as well and talk quite openly about their hair pulling or skin picking conditions. Okay. Yeah, that's good information. And I think another important thing in treating BFRBs is to understand where it's coming from. So mm-hmm. I would imagine it would be helpful to maybe start a journal of when you start your behavior. So if you notice yourself picking at your skin or pulling your hair or doing any of these sort of BFRBs to make a note of it of the time of day and maybe what you're feeling and what's going on that caused it to happen and see if maybe you can find out what your trigger is because it's obviously triggered by some sort of anxious or emotional response that's going on inside your body. And I think pinpointing that would be incredibly helpful. Yeah. So that's, that's really important. Um, finding out, you know, recognizing your patterns, mm-hmm. learning more about your triggers, sort of seeing early signs, and then also just talking openly um, about it. I mean, for, for myself as well, before we started Nudge and before I started doing more research about it, I knew that I was picking my skin too much, but uh, it really helped me personally also learning more about BFRBs to frame my own <laughs> struggle with uh, skin picking. So I think framing it and you know giving it a name has sort of helped me as well to, to accept that it is actually an issue and I'm not alone out there and that there's different sort of strategies how to, to help my own skin picking. Mm-hmm. Right. So, Louisa, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. This has been such a fantastic episode, and I am glad that we've been able to bring more light to this. And as I said, I will get your Instagram handle and a link to Nudge posted in our show notes so everyone can access that. Next week, Dr. Burton is going to be back, and we're going to shift gears again We're going to talk about recovering from an affair. So we kind of touched on repairing damaged relationships two months ago towards the end of August. And we're going to shift back to that topic and really kind of dive in because recovering from an affair is a really big deal in a relationship. So, Louisa, thanks again for joining us and we will see everyone next week. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Bye, guys. (laughs) 
Have a question for Dr. Burton? How about a topic you'd like us to cover? Send us an email at mentalhealthpod21 at gmail.com. This podcast was produced and edited by Liz Lang. Music is by Audio Lounge. 